0: The power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship
1: team. It takes a lot of hard work and guts to make it in Detroit, and no one knows that better than Carhartt. Since 1889, Carhartt's been making the toughest, most trusted gear for anyone who outworks them. Because from field to farm and all sites in between, Carhartt's got your back for whatever lies ahead.
2: All right, Torek, you ready, man? Yep. This is Riley Green. And this is Spencer Torkelson. And you're listening to another episode of the Road to Detroit podcast. Here's your host,
3: Dan Hasty. Last chance. This is the last chance. We are officially down the home stretch of this season of the road to detroit. And for us, it's our last chance to see those pieces, to see those players that we hope will be such a fixture for the Detroit Tigers in the years ahead. For the players themselves, this is the last chance to make an impression. This is the last chance to build your case for whatever you want out of that minor league experience, whether it's an off-season promotion, many times Players finish their season in one location. They start the following year at an advanced level in the minor leagues. We could see that there are a number of Tigers prospects that have elevated their prospect profiles this season, many of whom have already gotten those promotions. The Tigers have been extraordinarily aggressive moving players this year much more so than in previous years. Even this week, there's only one week of baseball left in minor league baseball season, at least for all the teams not named Toledo. And West Michigan saw its closer promoted to Erie. Zach Hess, who was a seventh-round pick out of LSU a couple of years ago, he just got promoted to double-A. He very well could have opened next season in Erie, but he earned his way to get one last week in double-A. You can also finish on a high note, even if you're not getting a promotion or even if you think you could be, you didn't get one, maybe if your season's not going exactly the way you wanted it to. There is a lot of different narratives towards the end of a season. But the one thing you can accomplish is to finish your season on a high note. There's a handful of players that have really elevated their stock this season. Bo Brisky comes to mind. We had him on the show a couple of episodes ago. Pitched very well in West Michigan. Pitched even better in Erie. Garrett Hill, another good example of that. Had a good season. Had a good couple of seasons in West Michigan. Now he's up and having success in Erie. Eric De La Rosa. I'm really proud of Eric De La Rosa. There are not many stories that involve a player hitting under 170 in short season rookie ball and then turning themselves into an offensive weapon in places like high A and double A. He turned his entire career upside down. Now it's headed the right way. Motor City Bengals, Rogelio Castillo does a great job, and he outlined some of those performances in a recent article he wrote. He continues to do a great job. It's also your last chance to continue your pursuits as a professional. Nothing's guaranteed. The only controllables that are at play is what's right in front of you. I think about a player like Eliezer Alfonso, who started the season in West Michigan. Started the season in West Michigan, hit about 220. No homers, 38 games. Went to Lakeland in 39 games. He hit seven home runs. Hit over 300. Got a promotion back to West Michigan. Still waiting for that power to come into focus in high A. But ever since he returned from Lakeland back to West Michigan, LES or Alfonso is hitting north of 350. Still has some areas of his game he's working on. But offensively, you're starting to remember what made him an intriguing prospect not too long ago. And it's all based on how your season goes. There are different priorities for everyone. It could be trying to get the offseason promotion. It could be trying to finish on a high note. It could be to try to continue your pursuits as a professional baseball player. And for those of you listening, these are some of the final opportunities we have to watch these players, to get our final impressions as we go into a very important offseason. The one thing inherently that everyone needs to do is be self-aware, is to understand their strengths and their weaknesses, or their needs in this case, organizationally. The Tigers need to understand what they have and what they need. I think we've got a pretty good idea of what that looks like. But things change. Even just last week, finding out that a guy like Jake Rogers needs Tommy John surgery, Well, all of a sudden, maybe the needs are a little bit different. But the only way we can do a proper self-assessment and take inventory of what we already have. And if you have been listening to this show at any point over the course of the last season and even back to 2019, you know that this show has been tracking players from the moment they had their names called on draft day. We've been giving you the director's cut on Riley Green since day number 1, the ground floor. Then Spencer Torkelson coming in this season. And today we get them both. Hey everybody, welcome back. It's another episode of the Road to Detroit podcast. My name's Dan Hasty, our producer is Nate Wangler. Coming up on this episode as we come down the home stretch of the RTD here in season 2, Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson will join us. Together, we will have both of them joining us simultaneously. And this is what I love about this opportunity. Rare is the chance that we get two people joining us at one time. It opens up possibilities that typically we don't get. We get a chance to talk to one about the other. Riley Green, Spencer Torkelson coming up in just a little bit. We've also got to look at best in class, the best performance in the Tigers minor league system this week. But for now, let's go to the news. As the big club finishes out its season against the likes of Milwaukee and Tampa Bay, the White Sox, Kansas City, Minnesota, Miguel Cabrera, all the while drawing closer and closer to 3,000 hits, which included going nine for nine last week. First time the Tigers have had a player have nine straight base hits since Ty Cobb back in 1925. Look, that's what's fun about this season is that It's September, and there are things going on in the major leagues that we care about again, that we're excited about again, that only keeps focus and allows other teams to notice as we go into the 2021 offseason. But we are a podcast that dives into the minor league system. We can't do that without leading right off the top about that night in Toledo back on Saturday.
4: The pitch crushed to left. Trace Thompson back, looks up. It's gone. Just over the Collins Community Choice sign. Whitney, 1-1. Line drive, deep center. heading back to Nashree Vargas at the wall. It bounces on the yellow line, over the wall. And Daz Cameron, a multi-home run game. Here pitch, line drive, left center field. Trace Thompson races back, it hits off the wall. Torkelson scores. Beredes right behind him, into second. Cody Clemens. It's ten to nothing Toledo. Here for the second, nobody out. It is a football score. Oh <laughs> two. Rush deep center field. Janeshui Vargas watches it go. Another multi-home run game for Josh Lester. Three two. It well. Deep right center field. Greg Dykman back at the wall. It is gone. Fifth homer of the night for Toledo. Ryan Kreidler joins the party.
3: Final score, 21-4. to The Toledo Mudhens beat the Iowa Cubs and maybe took their lunch money. Cody Clemens had three doubles, six runs batted in. Ryan Kreidler had a three-run home run. Daz Cameron had two. Josh Lester had two. Josh Lester has had a phenomenal 2021 season. We haven't gotten a chance to talk about Josh Lester enough, but this is a young man who spent parts of three seasons playing in low-class A ball, got to low-class A, was out of shape, admitted as much, went to the weight room, went to the workout plan, and got himself in the famous cliche, the best shape of his life. But he's actually played like it ever since. This year he's hitting 280 between double and triple A, 31 homers, 75 runs batted in. Nobody in the entire Detroit Tigers organization has as many home runs as Josh Lester. Congratulations to him. In that game, Riley Green also went two for six with a walk, three runs scored. Spencer Torkelson, he's only hitting 213 in Toledo, but I wouldn't really worry about anything like that at this point. He's still so new to Toledo. I think the best way to look at Spencer Torkelson in Toledo is to judge him on what he does beginning next season, assuming he's there. I love how Toledo followed it up the next day on Sunday. They beat Iowa 8-1, to so they outscored... The Iowa Cubs 29 to five over the final two games of that series. A couple of other promotions: Brady Poliselli got moved from Erie to Toledo. We mentioned Zach Hess getting the bump from High A to Double A. Henry Martinez, a righty, went from Erie to Toledo and heading from Lakeland to West Michigan is one of the most standout players in the Tigers' minor league system, literally and figuratively. R.J. Pettit, who played his college ball at Charleston Southern, was a 14th round draft pick of the Tigers in this year's draft, and you can't miss him. Standing six foot eight inches tall and listed at 300 pounds, R.J. Pettit was one of the most dominant pitchers in the Big South this past season. Had an ERA of 279 and has already made such an impression in just five innings of professional baseball that he needs to be in high class A. Talk about a fast mover. RJ Pettit's going to West Michigan. That should be fun. Let's hit the on ramp. On the backfields of Lakeland, on the complex leagues, the East and West team had a couple of standout performances. Denuris De La Cruz finished the week six for 16. He's a catcher, had a double and two homers, drove in four. It's kind of an unknown player, but so far, he's had a really nice offensive season. Just 20 years old, playing in the complex league. A 300 hitter with an on-base percentage way over 400, six homers, 24 RBIs, nearly a walk to a strikeout on average, 37 games. He's done a nice job, good enough to keep an eye on him going into next season. I assume he'll probably start the season playing in Lakeland for the Flying Tigers at low A. Meanwhile, it's like a light bulb went off for the 18-year-old Manuel Sequeira. He had a tough start to his professional debut. Hit just 203 in the month of July. Flashed a little bit of power, but you could say he's gotten comfortable. In September, he's hitting 391, 11 RBIs, and three homers in seven ball games. He's now on an eight game hitting streak. Had three doubles, four homers, and 16 runs batted in this week alone. I was talking to a couple of the people who have been kind of working their way through the Tigers minor league system, visiting with all the different teams, and they all have been raving about Manuel Sakara. Going to be very interesting to see what the Tigers decide to do for him as they plan on 2022. From the West team, Justice Big B, Yosemite Sam's favorite Tigers prospect, (laughs) 19th rounder in 2021 out of Western Carolina. Finished the week 5-for-10 with two doubles, a homer, and four runs batted in. Meanwhile, Roberto Campos, he went 4-for-12, hit another home run, and drove in three. Off to low a Lakeland. The Flying Tigers, they are hitting their stride, and they are finishing on a high note. They won four out of five on the road against St. Lucie. Ben Mulgary, he hit safely in three out of five. We've talked about him on a couple of these past episodes Draft pick out of Northeastern, that's in the Boston area, a double, triple, home run, five runs batted in for Ben Mulgary. Excited to see him hitting at the top of the lineup for some of these teams higher up in the Tigers minor league system as we go. Meanwhile, Wilmer Flores, a Lakeland Flying Tigers pitcher and one of Nate's favorite minor leaguers. Why is that, Nate? The little brother of the other Wilmer Flores. The one in the major leagues? Yeah, that one. He's playing in San Francisco now. He tossed six shutout innings on just one hit and six punchouts in his last start back on the 11th In September, he's been really good, and this is a team that has been hitting their stride. He gave up just one run through 11 and two-thirds innings, struck out 15 while giving up just three watts. Let's go to high a West Michigan. The Whitecaps, the good old Whitecaps. They split a six-game set at home against the first-place Great Lakes Loons, who are trying to vie for one of the spots in that league's championship series. Austin Murr had a 16-game hitting streak, the longest by a Whitecap this season. Like a (laughs) boss! Ended up finishing the week hitting safely in four out of five with a pair of doubles and an RBI. Meanwhile, Gage Workman continues to tap into that power, He was testing some insurance policies at LMCU Ballpark in West Michigan last week. Big week for Gage Workman. He hit safely in five out of six, had two doubles, two homers, and five runs batted in. And Austin Bergner, he continues to really turn heads. I'm curious to see what the Tigers decide to do with him going into next season. He set a new career high with nine strikeouts and five innings. His fourth win of the season, he's now 4-0 with an ERA under three. But at the beginning of this season, he was a reliever in low A. But he has finished his season as a fantastic starter in high A. Really, really excited to see what the former UNC Tar Heel, who is one of the best players in the nation coming out of high school, will be able to do next season. Speaking of Double A Erie, the Seawolves won two out of five against Altoona. And on the same day, Eric De La Rosa and Daniel Cabrera gave the Seawolves something to remember.
4: Curry's finale against Richmond as Cabrera swings to the next offering and lifts it high in the air to deep center field. Jiwon Bay is back. He leaps at the wall. He can't make the catch. That one off the batter's eye in center field. Cabrera is still running. He touches third. Relay throw on the way from the second baseman, Kaiser. The throw is offline and diving in safely is Cabrera. It's an inside the park home run for Daniel Cabrera. <laughs> Offering home to De La Rosa, rocketed fair inside the bag down the left field line. And it buries in the left field's corner. And that one getting caught up. Caden Smith and Jigmas put his hands up as he tries to pick it up now. Wait, he does pick it up in play. And that's going to be an inside the park home run for De La Rosa.
3: My goodness. That's right. Inside the park home runs for both Eric De La Rosa and Daniel Cabrera. We had a feeling that at some point this year, Eric De La Rosa was going to find his way into an inside-the-park home run. So no surprise there, and it's good to see Daniel Cabrera, Daniel Tiger, reminding us that he can be an indoor cat. Let's go to AAA Toledo. The Mudhens, we know what they did. They won five out of six on the road. They continue to steamroll everybody in their path. Riley Green, 10 for 26, two doubles, two homers, four runs batted in. Spencer Torkelson, five for 20, double, a home run for Spencer. Cody Clemens, he continues to impress. He has had a phenomenal second half. He finished the series five for his last 13, three doubles, a homer, seven RBIs, six of which were in that one game. In the month of September, Cody Clemens, get a load of these numbers, hitting 295. the son of Roger Clemens, has hit four homers, has 15 runs batted in. He is posting some of the best numbers of any Tigers minor leaguer, regardless of affiliation. And he's doing it all while playing a position that is notoriously light on offense. Second base, Cody Clemens, another player finishing on a high note. So is Ryan Kreidler. The shortstop hit safely in five out of six against the Cubs. A double and home runs in back-to-back games. Seven runs batted in. From what we understand, we're talking about a phenomenal defensive player who's all of a sudden hitting comfortably over 300 with power in A. There's a look at the on-ramp. Coming up right now, our conversation with both Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson, two of the best prospects in all of Major League Baseball. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild conquer the weekend in the all-new
1: Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
3: The Road to Detroit podcast is doing something that it has never done before. This is unique. Not often do we have two people join us at once it opens up possibilities we don't typically have. It's also not often where a podcast is flanked by two of the best prospects in Major League Baseball, but that all changes today. In this corner of the Zoom chat, a 20-year-old outfielder who has been in Erie and Toledo over the course of this season, who has even further elevated his prospect status because he is playing against players that are two, three, four, and 5 years older than him. He has been phenomenal and is now finishing his season in Toledo. It's Riley Green. Talk to me. How's it going, guys? I'm happy to be here. People are very, very excited for the both of you. Riley, congratulations on a great season. So now... I feel like one of those guys in the boxing ring, but it's, it's, it's not, it's like, it's like a zoom boxing ring in this corner of the zoom chat, the former number one overall pick in the 2020 draft. He joins us as well. He might be Riley Green's close, warm, personal friend. It is. Spencer Torkelson. Spencer, it is good to see the both of you. And look, we could do silly stuff. We can mess around for 15, 20 minutes. And that's strictly because I know the both of you are very good at that. But that's not why our audience listens. The people listening to this are emotionally invested into the two of you. So we would be doing a disservice not to jump right in. We've had the two of you on the show, albeit at separate times. But since we're all together, this is the only chance we've had to get you in front of the other. You guys have talked about yourselves a lot, and we'll probably do some of that at some point here. But I'd really like you to talk about the other. So, five questions, but I only want you to answer questions about the other. Riley, tell me the story, as you would tell it, of Spencer's first season in the minor leagues.
2: Uh, Spring training. You know, saw that we were going to different places. Uh, was kind of bummed, but you know, that's minor league baseball. And so, once we went to different places, you know, we were maybe, maybe a week or two in, and he texted me, and he was like, "Hey, man, I miss you." I was like, "Hey, man, you gotta, you gotta get up here as soon as possible. It's, it's pretty fun up here." So that happened, and then, um, and then, like maybe a month later, he was there. I was like, "Oh, nice." So um, yeah, you know, he um got really really hot and then you know came to erie and then just kept just kept doing it uh kept swinging the back kept kept playing defense and you know he showed why he was the number one overall pick you know he's really good hitter really good defender and you know he showed up to the field like he did in in erie you know he comes and matches baseballs you know he, he um he has a lot of fun too so he works very hard on defense works a lot on his swing and you know it Shows in the game, he matches baseball every single day. So,
3: Spencer, your turn. Your story of Riley's season as you saw it.
5: There's not much of a story for Riley. He goes to the field every day and he puts a bat in his hand and he gets three hits. I mean, it seems like that's every day for Riley and it's it's really fun to watch. But it's like you almost take it for granted because you just like you wake up, you go to the field and he's going to get a hitter a hit or four in the game and it's it's an everyday thing and it's it's really impressive it it sneaks up on you but it's really fun to watch in the moment
3: since you're both playing at the same level you're kind of both simultaneously dealing with the same types of challenges spencer what adjustments have you seen riley make from that double a level to triple a um
5: I'd say just being able to hit more pitches in every single count. I mean, not having to sell out to one pitch. You can kind of look for one pitch and then and then smash anything that's over the plate and uh that's what great hitters do and Riley's obviously a great hitter so he can do it.
3: Riley, how much fun are you having? with this Toledo team, watching guys like Spencer? I mean, b- baseball seems like it's pretty fun right about now. Oh, well, it's a lot of fun. Being
2: able to be a part of a lineup that literally a home run can be hit at any torque or in front of torque, you know, it's, it's, it's awesome, you know, being able, be able to watch him hit a baseball as good as he does and as far as he does. And you sometimes take it for granted, like he said, like, you know, like just being able to watch good baseball and just watch him swing a bat is awesome.
3: Does Spencer help you have more fun, Riley? I feel like you guys complement each other well.
2: Oh uh, yeah, really like off the field, like in the hotel, in the apartment. You know that's that's where like the fun happens. You know we we hang out. We uh, we've been playing a lot of PGA on the PS5 together. Let me tell you that. Like we play like for hours a day before games and after games. And I'll be honest. I beat him one time and I think he's beat me like 40 times. So, I'm not very good.
3: Is it safe to say that Spencer has a really long drive? Is that is that fair? I mean between the two of you who hits it the farthest. Well, we went
5: golfing yesterday and Greedy, Greedy can hit the ball really far. It's just like both of for the both of us it's it's just not a guaranteed straight shot ever. Like, if there's people to our left and right, like, in different fairways, like, we almost have to wait for them to for them to clear out of the way because we don't know where the ball's going. We just know it's yeah. going far.
3: All right, so second question. This is kind of a fill-in-the-blank, and I want to start with you, Spencer. The one skill or talent from the other that I wish I had was blank.
5: Riley plays a really mean outfield. Like, I would love to add that to the bag. He's fast. People, people underestimate his speed.
3: Riley, same question for you. What's the one skill or talent from Spencer that you wish you had?
2: You know, probably probably his power every time he hits a baseball. You know, whenever he hits a baseball, he hits it hard and he hits it far. You know, his power and, you know, getting good spin on the ball almost every time.
3: I'll say this, as somebody who actually thinks that swings can look good or bad, it's really fun to watch both of you swing because, Riley, you're a lefty, so lefties always have nice-looking swings, right? But Spencer's actually got a pretty cool-looking swing, too, and I feel like it's one of those swings, both of you, that kids would imitate as they grew up. You guys have had these big moments over the course of the year. Riley, 22 home runs Spencer, 26 home runs between those three levels. I know you guys have gotten a very, very long look at being able to be on the same team and watch one another this year. Describe a moment from this year or perhaps last year where the other made you say, wow. All
5: right, so I don't have every detail, but we were playing in Erie, and Riley had, like, a tough week last week. Tough week for Riley's, like, 10 hits. So I'm not sure how tough it really was, but I think it was my first or second week in Erie and Riley, uh, he says like, he wasn't feeling great like in the batter's box. And I was like, whatever you Riley, You're, you'll be fine. And then uh, he goes out there and he hits four balls over like 105 miles an hour for four hits. And I was like, I was pretty dumbfounded because to hit a ball that hard once or twice in a game is very impressive, but to do it every single at bat to every single part of the field is even more impressive. So, Riley did that, and that's that's when I was like in awe.
3: And you know what? It also kind of shows where we're at collectively in the game. We appreciate those advanced numbers. We appreciate yeah. exit velos. Riley, what do you have? What do you what do you think?
2: We had a double header. I think Torque had a rough game the day before that. And he pretty sure he told me, he goes, Riley, like he's like, I might not get out today. Just whatever. Just like laughing about it, you know, get out. Like he got seven hits in a row. Pretty sure two or three of those were homers. And I was just like, he was being serious about it. So that was um that was pretty impressive. Uh I would say. Seven hits in a row is pretty uh pretty good, especially with like two or three homers.
3: And I believe on the 7-for-7 seven seven day, and Spencer, you can correct me if I'm wrong, you were using the bat of Daniel Cabrera, is that right?
5: Yep, yep, his uh, his Chandler I-13, yeah, I was using it.
3: Have you continued to use that bat, or are you using anybody else's bats in Toledo? Uh,
5: so I, I did use it for a couple games, and then I kind of got like a little, uh, chip in the in the cap. So I started using one of my bets.
3: We're talking with Spencer Torkelson and Riley Green. Let's talk <clears throat> defense and about our positions. Riley, when you got drafted, you told us on this podcast, you wanted to be a center fielder and you've been able to check that box. Tell me about what that has meant to you to be able to continue to work on that throughout the last couple of years and maybe from the day you told us that you wanted to be a center fielder, what you've learned since that time?
2: I think that's the most improved part of my game is playing the outfield. And, um, you know, there, there was a lot of people out there before and after I got drafted that said I wasn't going to be able to play center field. And, you know, it kind of took that to heart and, you know, worked my butt off to um, to improve in my – and my skills in the outfield and I think it's working out pretty good. And um, I'm really playing all over the place and it's good to be, um, to be able to play all three positions because, because they're all different and you got to cover the big part of the field and you're the leader in the outfield. So, I mean,
3: I, I like it a lot and,
2: you know, I'm going to, I'm going to keep working hard to hopefully one day stick in center field.
3: Spencer, I noticed that you're playing first base pretty much every day in Toledo. And I think back to your time in West Michigan. I think back to your time in Erie. And, you know, to Riley's point, you're just trying to check boxes just to show that you can play a different position. You can have some flexibility. And I've seen you've been playing a lot of first base. So I'm curious, what has that done for you? And how do you see the education at third base kind of playing a role for you going forward?
5: Uh, yeah, you know, I've been playing a lot of first base in Toledo because you got Isak Paredes at third base, you know, he's a phenomenal defender, great bat as well. So it's like, if I'm playing first base, he's playing third base and we got cry at shortstop and Cody Clemens at second base. It's a, it's a pretty good infield, you know? And, uh, so that's the reason I'm playing first. And, uh, you know, I, I do feel the work at third base helping out at first just because I took a I took a lot of reps at, at third base between spring training and West Michigan early work and Erie early work. Um, I've worked hard at that position, so um, it obviously translates to first base in regards to picking the ball and just being ready at the hot corner because it's, it's still a corner at first base. It's just a lefty smoking at you instead of a, a righty. Um, But if I'm in the lineup, I'm happy. And as long as the teams are winning, I'm happy. So first base, third base, it doesn't matter.
3: This is cool because the both of you got promoted from double to triple A at the same time. So you're kind of simultaneously making these adjustments at the same time. So Riley, we talked about kind of the moves that Spencer made to adjust. Spencer, what adjustments did Riley make because you guys are kind of doing this in tandem. So what have the adjustments been, I guess, for the both of you? And, and what have you noticed about what Riley has adjusted to?
5: Gosh, Riley's, Riley's such a good hitter that the adjustment's very small. I mean, if it's a strike, it's going to get hit hard, and it's probably going to be a hit. I mean, it's, it's pretty. it sounds really simple, but it's pretty much Riley's scouting report, so... I haven't noticed any learning curve in AAA for Riley yet. And you know, it's really impressive.
3: All right. This is for both of you. And perhaps this is a former teammate or maybe someone you've played with in spring training. We'll start with you, Riley name, somebody you've really enjoyed watching play for the tigers this season.
2: Oh, my favorite player, Eric <laughs> I've never seen someone swing the bat like he does. Like it's, like it's incredible, and I and I say like he's my favorite player, and I'm being serious about that. He's he's incredible on the box, and he's a really good catcher too. And um, he was in he was in Toledo uh, rehabbing, and um, first at bat, Homer. I'm like, oh, <laughs> there it is. So like he he's a he's a really good hitter and really good behind the plate, but he's he's an awesome dude too. Like Awesome, awesome, dude! Like I, I can't, I can't say enough about him. But yeah, definitely, definitely, Eric Hos.
3: Spencer, your turn. Who is uh, a former teammate or maybe someone that you've played with in spring training that you've really enjoyed watching play for the Tigers this season? Uh, gosh, I mean,
5: the whole Tigers team has been really fun to watch. Um, you know, it seems like they got something about them. They got some some chemistry, and you know, they they really are learning how to win. It feels like, and you, can, and you can see it and they're just grinding out wins, whatever way possible. So that's obviously been really fun to watch, but I mean, it goes back to the alternate site last year. And um, I mean, we were grinding with, with Eric Haas and Haas is there and he was working his butt off. I think he got called up or he was on the taxi squad here and there. This is, a, this is a funny story. So, he, they went on like a two week road trip, and Eric Haas was on the taxi squad. So, with the taxi squad, you go to the game, but you don't suit up. It's just like, just in case they need you. And uh, so, he didn't take a live at bat for like two weeks, which isn't a huge deal. But, like, obviously, when he comes back, he might feel something like, like not feel as locked in as if he took an at bat every day for two weeks. And he got he gets back and you know everyone's happy to see him. Obviously, it's it's Eric Haas, and he's a great teammate, great dude. And uh first first game in the at the alternate site after that road trip, Palmer. We're like, dude, like you didn't miss a beat. And he's he's like, I don't know, man, I just I just hit and you know he's he's one of the best dudes um I've ever been around in a in a clubhouse. So I'm really rooting for him and he's been Really fun to watch.
3: So if you're on the taxi squad, are you watching the game from, like, the stands? I mean, did Eric Haas basically come out of the stands and hit a homer? Dug out.
5: But, yeah, I think I think you're in the, the locker room, I want to <laughs> say. You go the, to the game and then chill in the locker room and watch the game, but they don't need you because you're not on the roster <laughs> until. But this year, he's been killing it.
3: Yeah, I'd say he earned his way onto that roster spot, didn't he? All right, so – we can get into what's going on in Major League Baseball. We've got some interesting races, but I know you guys are, are very focused in on what you're doing. There's no way that anybody in this game doesn't understand what's happening for a couple specific players at the Major League level this year. I'm going to start with you, Spencer. Shohei Otani or Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who is the AL MVP.
5: Okay, so we actually had this argument, yeah, two days ago on the bus. We, we we're like, all right, if Vlad Jr. does not get the triple crown, Shohei gets it. You know, what he's done is incredible. He has, like, almost 10 wins on the year, the sub-3 ERA, and he has 44 bombs. So, like, that's nuts. But if Vlad Jr. gets the triple crown – he has to get it. You can't get the triple crown and not get the MVP, I feel like.
3: That's spoken like somebody who might be playing with a former triple crown winner at some point in the next couple of seasons. All right, Spencer. Exactly. That's good. What about you, Riley? Where do you sit on this? I definitely agree with him. I
2: feel like Vlad just raced. So it's it could it could really go either way. So I agree with Torque on that one.
3: You get one baseball movie superpower because we're all, I think all three of us are obsessed with baseball movies. So you get one baseball movie superpower, whether it's you get to throw a ball 100 miles per hour like Henry Rowan Gardner in Rookie of the Year, you get to be a kid manager like in the movie Little Big League, you get to beat out a pickle like Benny the Jet Rodriguez in the Sand Lot, you get one baseball movie superpower which one do you take it definitely
5: be the henry roan gardner uh 100 miles an hour i remember being 11 or like 10 11 12 and like kind of low-key wanting to break my arm because i wanted to throw 100 miles an hour because i saw that movie so much so um i definitely take that that uh rocket arm so you want to be otani basically yeah and that wouldn't hurt <laughs>
3: It would hurt your arm technically, but otherwise you'd be fine. <laughs> All right, Riley, what do you have? One baseball movie superpower? Any movie?
2: Yeah, I would. I would definitely agree with Tark on that one too. You know, be, be it um, just watching that movie as a kid, and you know, just trying to trying to hit a hundred, even though I knew it was never going to happen. It's it's yeah it not not many people throw 100 miles an hour. And if you can do that, I feel like that'd be really cool. So definitely agree on that one.
3: All right. So I know we didn't we didn't say we were going to talk about ourselves a whole lot. This is because we have the other person right here. We can talk about each other. But I do want to know what's on kind of the the off-season to-do list. And we'll get to that in a minute. But you still have a couple weeks of season left. So, Riley, is there anything else that you are thinking about what's on your mind is maybe something you want to accomplish here as we finish out the season.
2: I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. Um, you know, just keep swinging the bat, keep playing defense. And, and once the season's over, going to the off season and, you know, get nasty at golf and, you know, do a lot of fishing. So I don't really have much for the off season, but yeah, just, uh, just to finish the season off strong and, you know, and on a good note. So
3: Spencer, anything for you?
2: Uh, you know, I just want to stick to
5: the sameness is greatness. Uh go go to the yard every day, work hard, have fun, and then I'll look back at the end of the year and be happy with with whatever I did and um I'm thankful for all the memories with teammates like Riley and everything.
3: Last question. Now I saved one of these questions about the other person as we got to the very end. Remember we were saving one more for the end? Well, aside of the work the two of you will most certainly put in this offseason, in the weight room, in the cage, what have you. Describe what you think the other will be doing this offseason. Spencer, what do you see in Riley's future for this offseason?
5: I know he's coming to Arizona for a month. That that'll be fun. But I could see Riley shanking a lot of balls on the on the golf course. <laughs> Just clipping them.
3: All right, Spencer. Let's just get this out of the way before Riley answers. Will you or will you not be trying to open up any cans with sharp edges this winter?
5: No, I'm not I'm not opening up any anything. <laughs> I'll leave I'll leave that to someone else, but it's not me. <laughs> okay, Riley, what does Spencer's off
3: season look like?
2: He's gonna definitely enjoy his house. I know that for sure. Hey, I would say he's gonna shank a few golf balls too. I just feel like he's just going to enjoy it being home and you know maybe do a little fishing. He was talking he-, he was talking to me about fishing the other night. It's going to be a chill off season, you know. Hit a few golf balls, probably not straight and do a little <laughs> bit of fishing. So
3: <laughs> one last thing from both of you. So fans of this podcast, we have built our house on guys like you this season. And I wanted to give you both a chance to speak directly to them because It's an enlightened audience. Without them, there is no show. So, I just wanted to give you both a chance to speak to kind of what this fan base has meant to you as you've gotten to know them since you became a part of this organization. Riley, we'll start with you.
2: It's one of the best fan bases ever, and um, you know all the all the positive vibes coming from fans every day. You know, it's just incredible, and just being able to have that behind you, and just just knowing people are with you every day, you know, it's, it's awesome. And it definitely, it definitely helps you as a player, just knowing that there's people rooting for you every single day. So, yeah, I just, I just want to say thank you to all those people. And, you know, it's, it's amazing.
3: It's fun knowing you have such a big group pulling for you like this. Spencer, I'll give the floor to you.
5: Yeah. You know, thank you very much for all all the, all the support, you know, throughout the, the highs and the lows. And, uh, You know, we want to win just as bad as you guys want to win. Probably a lot more than you guys want to win, you know, because it's actually us and it's our career. But thank you for the support. We'd love it if you kept supporting us like this. And uh, we're working our butt off for you guys.
3: Remember that movie Step Brothers when the lady had to do a job interview with both brothers at the same time? That is kind of how this felt. Riley Green and Spencer Tarkelson, the best tag team in minor league baseball. Take it easy on one another playing PGA. Thanks so much for doing this. Good luck the rest of the season.
5: Thanks, Dan. Thank
3: you. That is Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson, both very much on the road to Detroit. It's now time for best in class. Of all the players in the Tigers minor league system, this one made the most noise. Manuel Sacera. It is not every day that an 18-year-old does what he has done in the complex league. Based on how he's played this season, we're talking about a big-time Detroit Tigers prospect. And again, this is why you listen to this show. Right now, Manuel Sequeira is not rated a Tigers Top 30 prospect by any of the main publications. But he should be, and he certainly will be, over his last week in the Tigers minor league system. And he's had a couple of games that he's missed. He had a three-home run game back on September 4th. Most recently, back on Saturday, two for four with a double and three runs batted in. His walk-to-strikeout rate has drastically improved, hitting almost 400 in the month of September and on-base percentage around 500. I can tell you this. A lot of people within the Tigers' front office, giddy looking at some of these numbers for Manuel Sequeira. And yes, he's not hitting 250 as of yet. But look what he's doing to finish his season. He's getting better and better against much older competition. This is what you need to see. Not everybody jumps out of the gate and hits 400 with bomb after bomb. But the good ones will eventually show you that they're good. And right now, Manuel Sakara is showing us that he is good. I still can't get over the fact that he's just 18 years old. With that kind of power, that's going to play in Lakeland. That'll even play in West Michigan. Tigers will have a good problem trying to figure out where they're going to put him in 2022. Manuel Sacara, he's this week's best in class. The bad news for Manuel Sacara is he's no longer eligible for this week's Dylan Rosa Award. Nate Wangler is here to decide who gets that very prestigious prize.
6: And this particular player resembles another prospect that we've talked about on this show before They have kind of similar journeys in the fact that he started in the bullpen, eventually transitioned into a starting spot, and has done wonderfully in that role. He was the Tigers' ninth-round pick back in the 2019 draft out of North Carolina. That's Austin Bergner. In his last two starts, 11 innings pitched, has only allowed two earned runs while striking out 17 over that span of time, and not only that, He keeps improving. Those nine strikeouts in his last start, that's a career high for Austin Bergner, and he just continues to look more and more comfortable in that starting role. I would have to imagine he would start next year up in AA, but if we see him back in West Michigan, I'm okay with that. People forget that Austin Bergner was really highly touted
3: coming out of high school. Played his high school ball at Windermere Prep in Florida. He was ranked number 38 nationally by the folks at Perfect Game. We've talked to Brian Sikowski from Perfect Game. They really liked him coming out of school. Ended up playing with USA Baseball for a couple different seasons. Was a Pan Am World Cup champion. You know, his dad played professional beach volleyball. His dad, Mark, also coached volleyball at Duke which is ironic because his dad coached at Duke and Austin Bergner played at North Carolina. But seriously,
6: though, how much smack talking is going on in that house? I'm sure plenty of it. Oh, and I'll mention this before we go. In 2019, 0-3, a 633 ERA. However, here in 2021, 6-2, a 336 ERA. And with West Michigan specifically, 4-0, a 289 ERA. That will play. He's moving in the right direction. Congratulations, Austin Bergner, this week's winner of the Dylan Rosa Award. Manuel Sequeira and Austin
3: Bergner taking home the hardware this week. Is it actually hardware? Like, is is the Dylan Rosa Award a trophy? It's a firm handshake. It's a firm handshake? It should be from (laughs) Dylan Rosa. It's now time for The Road Ahead. Lakeland takes on Bradenton at home for a six-game series, while West Michigan concludes their regular season with six on the road at Lansing. Erie hits the road. They've got a six-game stretch in Richmond, and Toledo hosts the Columbus Clippers for six games. Well, believe it or not, we only have one more scheduled episode here on the Road to Detroit podcast this season. What would a season of RTD be without the return of of the roadies where we will look back on everything that's been this 2021 season two of the road to Detroit. Nate Wangler currently has a tuxedo and a bow tie waiting at the dry cleaner. Ooh, this is, this is a black tie event. Is it not? (laughs) Is there a carpet? It's going to be real weird when the janitor walks by our studio, (laughs) seeing us dressed up in suits, (laughs) but that'll be the roadies. And that'll be coming up next week as part of the season finale as we put a bow on the 2021 minor league season on the Road to Detroit podcast presented by our friends at Carhartt. One last time, a huge thanks to Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson. I could listen to those guys all day. For our producer, Nate Wangler, my name is Dan Hasty, And until next time...
1: no one's been part of more first days of work than carhartt and in the same way rookies have to keep earning respect carhartt never stops earning the respect of hard-working people like you from building rugged gear that's tougher than any first day or worst day of work to re-engineering the classics to outwork the future trust your car to keep doing their job long after you've been doing yours Since 1889, Carhartt's got your back 24-7. Visit Carhartt.com or visit a retail store near you. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car
4: to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes.